make your way to your seats. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Today we're going to begin our Advent or Christmas series called Emmanuel. Uh, scripture tells us that Emmanuel means God with us. Now, in Scripture you will see Emmanuel written in uh, two different ways. One is E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, and you'll also read it I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, depending upon what translation you are reading. They both mean the same thing, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. There's a special thing that when we understand that God with us, when we understand that our God in heaven decided to come down here on this earth to be with us, it changes everything. Now we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, but it changes the whole entire aspects of life. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to be reading in verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, again, meaning God with us. So therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name God with us. This is an amazing promise that the prophet Isaiah is giving to his the people of Israel. Now you have to understand that for hundreds of years they have been in now in captivity. They've also been sojourning in the land, in the desert. They've been trying to find their place. And they've been promised for years that Jesus was going to come, that a Savior was going to come. This promise that was given to them, they all thought when they talk about a Savior coming, what they expected was a prince on a white horse leading an army to overthrow but the prophet Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God with us, means a couple different things for us today. When we understand that God is with us, it means that, again, we can look at all the other verses. You know, there's a, uh, I love the verse, If God is for us, who can be what? Against us, right? If God, just think about this. If God is for us, who can be against us? No one can be against us because we have the God who is with us. God who created the world. God who created every single one of us who is with us. If God is with us, it changes everything. Now this is a hard concept to understand because in over years and years and years of of life, when deities, and I mean in the small d, right, the small deities, the small gods, if you look at this, if you look through any of the Greek gods or anything else that you see, we find that gods always reigned up above and on high. Zeus, for example, was up on high. He would throw lightning bolts down at his people, and, and he would do other things. And all of the all the other kings and all of the other saviors or lowercase s saviors, all of the other gods that were here on this earth were never considered to be with his people. Very few scriptures, very few religions have a God who is with them. And in addition to that, no one other than Christianity has a God who not only came to be with his people, but then chose to die for his people. Christmas begins 
what we celebrate at Easter. Do you understand that? The Christmas begins the story of God with us. Why is God with us so important? Well, we're going to talk about this over the next four weeks in different versions of the uh, of the stories and different scriptures that we'll be reading. But we have to understand that if God is with us, it changes everything that we do. The most amazing part of Advent or the Christmas season is, yes, Jesus' birth. But it's also the simple fact that he chose to be with you and I. Do you understand that? Jesus chose to come down to this earth to be with us. Today's sermon will cause us to remember that we're not forgotten. In this version, or this part of the Christmas message that we're giving today is that we're going to look at what it means if God, what it means when we feel like God has forgotten us. All of us in our lives at one point or another have probably faced a time in our life when we felt like God is just not there. He's been distant. He hasn't been here. We haven't heard from Him. We feel like we're in a dry season. We feel like we're in the desert. We feel like when we pray, our our prayers just bounce off the walls and come back to us and they never make it up to Him. We feel like if there is a God, that He is somewhere very distant in our lives. The important part about this is for us to understand that God, because He is with us, is always with us. It's not where He chooses to be with us at certain times and then says, I'm going to leave you. That is impossible for God. God is what we call omniscient. Yeah, let me try that again. God is omniscient. Yes. He's omnipotent as well. Yes. I'm not going to cut it short. I made that mistake 30-some years ago. I won't do that again, I promise you. And God is also omnipresent, meaning he's always with us. He doesn't go away. When you, have, when you feel like God is not there, guess what? God is there. When you feel like God is distant, God is actually right next to you because he chose to be with you. Now, can we do things that separate us from God? Absolutely. Every time we sin, what we do is we put in a, a chasm, we put in a, 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 a distance from us and him. But God is always with us. We may feel abandoned or alone and honestly without hope, but because God is with us, we should never live in that place. We should always know that God is with us and God is truly wanting to be beside you always. Let's pray and then we'll jump into the next sermon or next uh, passage. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just the simple fact that you chose to come to this earth and be with us. And we ask, Father, during this Christmas season and this Christmas message that we can learn to understand what it means to have you with us. Father, in the simplest ways, it changes everything, but it's also in the very complex ways of every way that we think and everything that we go through, we understand that you are with us. And you chose to be with us because you love us. Father, we ask that you would just help us to have eyes that see, ears that hear, and senses that can understand that you are with us, that you are guiding us and directing us in all things, that you didn't leave us alone, and that you never will. Father, guide us and direct us as we go on this journey today. Help us to hear from you. Holy Spirit, remove the hindrances from our ears and our eyes. 
Help us to understand you and what you are saying to us. Give us the wisdom that you promised to bring to us so that we can do this life here on this earth. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. I pray that my words will not be my own, but they truly be your words today, Father, as we share together what it means that you are with us here. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be going over a different story today. The story is uh, the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. One of my favorite stories of the Bible. Uh, and it's because Zechariah and Elizabeth waited for many years to receive a blessing that they received. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to start in. Luke, of course, is one of the most famous. Uh, Luke 1 is one of the most, where the story of Jesus' birth begins. It's where we get many of the verses that we use during the Christmas time. But we find this amazing story of Zechariah the priest and Elizabeth. We find that they are here in this verse. Let's read the scripture and then we'll jump in. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, uh, Judea there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of about. I cannot talk to it. Abijah, thank you. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Let's pause there just to, just to reflect what's going on here. Now we understand a few things about Elizabeth and Zechariah, or we need to understand a few things about Elizabeth and Zechariah, I should say. The very first thing that we have to understand is that they are, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, we understand that priest was where well, uh, Zechariah was a priest. We also understand that Elizabeth comes from the line of Aaron. Now, if you don't know much about the line of Aaron, let me suggest you do a genealogy study of your Bible. You'll find out that this is a very good lineage that Elizabeth had. A lineage that would mean that they were believers. They had faith. They, they followed the, the commandments of the Lord, and they did all that they were supposed to do. So we find a priest, Zechariah, and we find Elizabeth, who comes from a wonderful family line. They're now married, and they're together. And they're living their life. Verse 6 says they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. Scripture tells us that both Elizabeth and Zechariah were good people. They were people that followed what they were supposed to do. They, they went, if you could say it in this way, they went to church, they followed the commandments, they did what they were supposed to do. Yet, they didn't get something that they were, had been praying for for many years. Because we find in verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Some theologians say that they were roughly in their 70s, anywhere from 70s to 90s. Now, if you could imagine at 70 years old having a child, I cannot. Uh, but if you could only imagine also living 70 years, 80 years, 90 years of your life, praying and hoping and asking the Lord to bless you with a child. Now, this isn't just simply... Let me rephrase that, because nothing is simple about not being able to give birth to a child. Nothing is... Nothing about 
not being able to bring life into this world from another from a mother's room is simple. But I must tell you that literally Elizabeth, when it says was barren, this would have been a time when everybody in her family, a time in the community, would have been looking down upon her. See, not being able to give birth to a child during this time meant usually people would look down upon you and say, you must be in sin. God must be punishing you. God must be doing something uh, for you because, or against you because you have not given birth to a child. You have not brought forth to this world a child. It was a ruthless community during this time, and it was hard. If you've ever been around someone who has infertility problems or, or uh, difficulties, you'll find that it is a very difficult time for them, but it's much different during this age than it is now. Today is accepted for a husband and wife to live their life without a child. Back then it was not. It was expected that when you got married, you would bear a child. And then on top of that, you would also, as a wife, it was expected that you would bear your husband a child. And you were blessed during that time. So when we find that Elizabeth was barren, we find that she was not only older, but we also find that she had dealt with this for many years. The difficulty of this, could you just imagine for a moment the pain and suffering that she had gone over and over and over with years would have been very difficult. But we also find that Elizabeth and Zechariah are good people. They're holy people who followed the commandments. And so you cannot look upon them and say, you are not bearing a child because you have not followed God. That's not something that you could say. Just like today, some of us in this room today may be praying for something. We may be asking the Lord for something, and the Lord has not yet answered your prayer. It's not necessarily because you are doing something wrong. See, too often times, we, like those people in Israel, would look upon someone and say, you're not getting the answer to your prayers because you've done something wrong. That is not the case. Sometimes the Lord pauses and just not, does not bless us with the things that we want because he has something better in return for us. It's difficult for us to grasp a hold of and to understand, but we have to know that sometimes God's timing is not our timing. I'm sure it wasn't Elizabeth's timing for her to have a child in an advanced age, whatever advanced age that might be. But she had to wait. So what do we do when God doesn't seem to be near? What happens when we seem to think that God is not hearing our prayers? Elizabeth and Zechariah, I'm sure, spent many, many days, months, years on their knees praying to God, asking for a child, asking and, and seeking His will and asking Him for these things. But what happens when God doesn't seem to hear our prayers? What happens when it doesn't seem to be near? Maybe your prayers go unanswered. Maybe the doors of opportunity that you want God to open stay tightly closed. Maybe bad things have happened unexpectedly to you. Maybe you go numb and you begin to grow apathy. Maybe the bills have piled up and the income goes down. I think we can all say that with inflation that has happened to a lot of people these days. And we're praying to ask God, help us to get ahead and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe our dreams don't happen as quickly as we want them or at all. I remember as a, 
as a young man who knew he wanted to become a pastor. And I remember uh, when my wife and I first got married, I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to take a sandwich board and I'm going to go out in the middle of the road. I'm going to plant it. And I'm going to have church right there. You know, it was the whole idea, build it and they will come, right? <laughs> that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we have to wait for the Lord and wait for him to do these things. But the truth is that circumstances here on this earth make us feel like we have been forgotten. Sometimes the circumstances of things that we go through make us feel like God is not here or God is distant and somehow he has left us alone to deal with these issues on this earth on ourselves. And that is not true. Elizabeth and Zechariah were de- devoted and dedicated people to God. If anyone was going to have their prayers answered, it should have been Elizabeth and, and Zechariah because they were devoted. They were special. They were, they were, he was serving as a priest. He was in there celebrating and worshiping God on a, on a common, on an often basis. And, and Elizabeth was a good person who came from a good family who knew all of these commandments. And yet they still don't get through. They still don't get the answer they wanted. Luke chapter 1, verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. What we find here is something that we can do when we're in the middle of this. When we feel like God is a distance, when we feel like God is not around us, when we feel like somehow we have been left alone by God, we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, what do we do at that moment in time? Because there are several things that we can do. The average person, when times are going problem, they go, woe is me, right? And they start to get upset, and they start to blame other people or blame other things, or sometimes they blame themselves. Or And we as Christians aren't any better. When we begin to not see God answering their prayers, we begin to ask ourselves, whose fault is it that this isn't happening? And we begin to look around and try to figure out, and sometimes we even try to manufacture things with our own hands to make it happen. We try to push God and say, I, you know what, Lord, if, if the answer is not going to come, I'm going to make it happen. So I'm going to go out and do these things. It is why many people are in debt today, because we make things happen by pulling out our credit card to pay for those things. Instead of waiting for the Lord and asking the Lord, seek, let me seek you and find you during these times, we instead try to make things happen on our own. What we find, though, from Zechariah and Elizabeth is something that you and I can do today. What do you do when God doesn't seem to be near? You remain faithful. That's what Zechariah and Elizabeth did. Zechariah still went to work every single day. Elizabeth still was out helping people and doing what she was supposed to do, still following the commandments of God. She didn't give up on God. She didn't give up on the church. She didn't give up on her husband. She didn't give up on all of those things. No, she remained faithful and continued to do all that she was supposed to do. And so did Zechariah. We find that they still went to work. They were still righteous. They were still blameless in all the commandments and statutes before the Lord. One of the hardest things for us to do is to wait. No one likes to wait. That's why, you know, I have this uh, ongoing joke with Jay, don't pray for patience because God will give you the opportunities to receive patience. It's it's, It's something that we all need. We all need patience to wait for the Lord, to wait upon the Lord. In fact, we're going to read a verse at the end that tells us what happens when we wait upon the Lord. But we are called to have 
patience. We are called to wait upon him. But we're called in that short time, in that time in between, to remain faithful to him. It's so easy at this time when God doesn't answer our prayers. It's so easy when we feel like God is at a distance to just abandon our faith and walk away and say, somehow I'm going to make it happen on my own. It's so easy for us to just turn the other direction and say, instead of remaining faithful, instead of still praying to God, instead of still seeking him for these answers, I'm just going to walk away. No, it's so easy to do that, but that's not the answer. That gets us into trouble because what happens is when we try to do it on our own, we try to manufacture things. And even if we are successful, sometimes what we are successful in is pales in comparison to what the Lord has for you and I. God's way is always better than our ways. Always. And if we just wait for him and we just ask him and we remain faithful during those times, the hardest thing to do is to praise and to be faithful to God even when we feel like he is not here. But it's something that you and I are supposed to do. We can't walk away from our faith. We can't walk away from these things. We can't walk away from him. Because he is everywhere. He's everywhere. There's impossible for us to walk away from God. Do you understand that? There's only one place where the presence of God is not. And let's pray that none of us ever end up there, because that's hell. And so what do we do in the midst of this? While we remain faithful, we continue pressing on, we continue pressing on to him, we continue praying and asking. It's okay to ask the Lord a hundred times for something. It's okay to keep seeking him for those things. But it's also okay for us to say, Lord, if you're not going to move in this way, how are you going to move? i got to imagine that Elizabeth and Zechariah begin to ask that question about how we can live our life. What can we do as we move forward? When you feel abandoned, instead of seeking to go a different direction, how about seeking to go closer to him, press into him? At the time when you don't feel like pressing in, at the time when you don't feel like praying again, pray again, ask again, seek. One of the, you know, I used to, I think about this story all the time, but um, when my daughter was very young, she really, really wanted, uh, I forget what it was, it was some toy, and she kept asking and asking and asking and asking and asking for it. I think it was a no-bake oven or something like that. I can't remember. but And I kept saying, no, no, no. First of all, it was a Fisher Price. I worked for Little Tykes. I wasn't going to buy a competitor product, right? Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. Uh, so I kept uh, I kept telling her, I'm sorry, honey. You know, we'll just just keep keep going. We'll, we'll get it. She kept asking. And all year long, she's asking for this. And all year long, she's asking for this. And, and kept over and over and over again. And finally... Christmas time comes around and we gave in. Why? Because I was tired of hearing her ask. It was simpler to just go buy the gift, the darn thing, give it to her and and be done with it, right? Sometimes I think we, we think upon, I don't want to bug God and ask him again for something. You know what? It's okay. God wants to hear you. And it's okay to ask him for that thing over and over and over again. But we also have to be okay to say, God, if you're not going to move in that way, then show me how you're moving in this way. Show me the alternative, because God always gives us alternative. Sometimes God gives us the green light to go forward, and he blesses us with those things. Sometimes he gives us a red light, closes the door, and we can't go through that door. And then other times he gives us that yellow light. And who hates a yellow light? I do. Right? When I'm driving a car, yellow means go faster, right? Don't tell your dad that. (laughs) 
Now, the truth of the matter is sometimes we have to pause and just wait. I'm waiting for the Lord to return what he's going to give to us and what he has for us. It would have been easy for Elizabeth and Zechariah to just say, forget it. Screw it. I don't care what's going on. I'm going on doing whatever I want to do, right? God isn't there. Why am I? It could have been easy for Zechariah to say, here I am, a priest. I'm supposed to be the blessed one, the one that goes in, the one who's forgiven. It would have been easy for him to just say, you know what? Never mind. I don't care. I'm not going to mess with this anymore. I have spent all my life devoted to you, Lord. I spent all my life doing all of these things for you. And the simple prayer about giving me a child, you can't answer. He could have been easily, he could have been easily so mad that he just walked away from his faith. This happens, by the way. Happens over and over and over again. I have friends who are no longer in the ministry today because this has happened to them. As pastors, they prayed and prayed and prayed, and God didn't turn out and give them what they wanted. And so, give them what they were asking for. Giving them what they wanted sounds really bad, but giving them what they were asking for. We have to remain faithful in our time of waiting for the Lord. Verse 8 says, Now while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the customs of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. You know, this is a funny story because what is going on here is that there are several priests and there are certain things. Most priests who served in the temple, they were given an opportunity to go into the inner part of the temple, the holy of holies, if you will. And so this was a time that they would enter into this place. This was a time that they would enter into this place and ask for forgiveness of sins and where people, they would offer an incense, they would burn, they would uh, make a sacrifice, they would do these types of things. And so what happened is most priests would draw a lot. When they say drawing lots, what they mean is they literally would take uh, sticks of straw or something like that, and the one that got the short straw had to go in, right? The reason why they didn't necessarily want to go in is because if they had any sin upon their heart, if they had any sin inside of them, oftentimes priests would die inside that temp- the Holy of Holies, and they'd have to be pulled out by a rope. And so we find the priest going, ah, oh, it's not my turn. Hey, Steve, it's your turn to go in. Not mine. Sorry. You get it. Have fun. Right? So we find this going on. We find this understanding. But here's the most important thing about all of this, is that in the midst of the waiting, what did Zechariah do? He went to work. He continued to praise. Not only did he remain faithful, but guess what? He kept moving. See, sometimes the things that we ask the Lord for that we don't get seem to be the things that paralyze us the most, and we cannot let that happen. We cannot be paralyzed by our our unanswered prayers. God does not tell you to be paralyzed. He tells you to continue moving forward. Remain faithful. Continue doing what he has asked you to do. So here we find that it just so happens to be Zechariah got chosen to go into the temple. So what do we do when God seems to be distanced? We keep going. We don't stop. We keep moving forward. We remain faithful and we keep going. When we feel like God has abandoned us or left us, we need to keep going. I tell people all the time, when you're having a bad day, the best thing that you can do is keep going. When you're feeling like God is distant, go bless someone. When you're feeling like God isn't answering your prayers, go pray for someone else. When you're feeling like God is 
somewhere not around you, then get down on your knees and pray some more. Why? Because the more that we keep going, the more that we do these things, it puts us in those positions of hearing from the Lord. The reason why Zechariah heard from the angel Gabriel this day was because he kept going and doing what he was. What if he called in and just said, you know what, I don't feel like it today. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not coming into work today. I just don't feel like it. He would have missed out on a blessing. He would have missed out on this amazing blessing that the Lord was given to him. He would not have heard from the angel Gabriel. He would not have known that uh, Elizabeth was going to give birth and that she was going to be pregnant. So instead, what he did was he kept going. See, we find ourselves paralyzed. We find ourselves just, woe is me. I can't go on. I can't move on. You have to keep moving. You have to keep taking that step. You have to keep moving forward because the Lord does not want you to stay in the same place. The Lord never intended for you to stay in the same place ever. Someone once asked me, why do you go to conferences and why do you go to these uh, special church meetings and, and those prayer meetings and those types of things? And why do you do all those things? You know why? Because I want to be where the Lord is. And if the Lord's going to move, I don't want to miss out on it. It's the truth. Are they always good messages? No. You don't always, do I always walk away from there going, oh, the Lord really moved? No, not always. But more often than not, yeah, the Lord moves in some way, in some shape. Some form. And so I want to be where the, I want to be in the room where it's happening, right? Uh, I feel like Hamilton now. Uh, but <laughs> I went, no, none of you guys got that? You guys don't know Hamilton the musical? I want to be in the room where it's happening? Okay, never mind. Y'all need, y'all need to get some education, okay? And uh, find out some musicals here. No, I'm kidding. The truth of the matter is, is that you have to be and you have to keep moving. God often speaks to us in our times of action, not in our times of non-action. Do you understand that God wants some the best how can I say this? The best way to hear from God is to be active for God. You know, I often hear people say all the time, how come I don't experience God moving? Well, what are you doing to experience God moving? How come I don't feel, how come I don't see God healing people? Well, are you out praying for people to get healed? When I don't feel God moving in my heart, when I don't feel like God is answering my prayers, oftentimes what I do is I go to the grocery store. (laughs) Why? Because at the grocery store, you can always find someone in need. And when I stop and I see someone, I'll walk through the aisles and say, God, just direct me to that person. And I'll walk down through the aisles and all of a sudden someone will come around the corner and I can either see that they've been crying or they're upset or they're frustrated or something's going on. And I just stop and say, hey, listen, you know, this may sound really weird, but I just feel like God has asked me to pray for you. So is there something I can pray for you for? Why do I do that? If God's not answering my prayers, how is he going to answer someone else's prayer? Well, you know what? If I don't put myself in that position, I'll never see God answer prayers. And so by taking that step outside of my comfort box and putting myself in the middle there and asking to pray for that person, and I am keep going, I am keep doing what God has called me to do, then I see God move. And if I see God move in simple, simple little prayers that people out in the grocery store have, then how much more does that encourage me to wait for God to move in my life and the prayers that I'm asking him for? The truth is we often don't get what we want or what we pray for. So our natural reaction is to think that God is somehow angry with us, somehow leaving us alone, or somehow not going to share with us. This is far from the truth. 
And then we end up, when we hear all of those things in our head, we begin to walk away from our faith. We stop doing the things that God has called us to do. And so we are actually positioning ourselves in a place not to see God move. Because God hasn't moved in our life. We have to instead position ourselves in the place to see God move. You want to see miracles? you got to start praying for people. <laughs> it's the truth. Miracles don't just happen. Miracles happen because our faith, as we pray for other people, that's when it happens. You want to see people healed? Then start praying for people. You want to see people healed? Go and start praying for people at the hospital. Hospitals will let you in. Just go in and say, hey, can I come in and pray for people? They'll let you in. And if they don't, nursing homes definitely will. We often don't have because we don't ask. Because we get so wrapped up in the unanswered prayers that we have in our own life that we don't keep going, that we stop. Zechariah was doing his daily job. He was doing what he was called to do. And the Lord answered us. He answered him. A God who never leaves you alone means that we are never alone or far from him. A God who is with us or near us means that we're never alone. To understand that God never leaves us means that even in our darkest and troubled times, we have a God that is with us. Even in the midst of the worst unanswered prayer. Some of, I, you know, I've talked to some people before that I talked to a lady one time in the grocery store. She says, you know, I've been praying for 60 years for a family member to come to the Lord and he hasn't come yet. And I thought to myself as she was saying this, man, 60 years, would, would I, could I have the diligence to pray for something for 60 years? And I was thinking to myself, and I added, not from my own words, because it wasn't, didn't come from me, but it definitely came from the Lord. I said, you never know when, the, when that unanswered prayer is going to become answered. It could be right around the corner. It could be the very next time you pray could be the very next time that you utter those words. Lord, bless this person. Bring him to know you. And maybe that will change that person's life. Let me encourage you today to keep going. If you have unanswered prayers, if you feel like a distance, keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep asking the Lord for what you've been asking for. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary, that's easy for me to say, in asking the Lord for what, he, what you're asking him for. Verse 57 of Luke 1 says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Now I've skipped a large portion of Elizabeth and Zachariah's life. You understand that Zachariah was, uh, I, you know, I, I contemplated whether we were going to bring up the portion where Zachariah couldn't talk for nine months. All you wives said amen to that. I wish our husbands was the same way. I understand that. Husbands wish the same thing about their wives, but... Uh, we don't admit it because we're smart. They leave me to do it from up front, so I'm the one who gets in trouble. Um, no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> no shaking your heads back there, guys, okay? They're shaking their heads no. Belinda, just to let you know, your husband's shaking his head no. He's disagreeing with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm skipping all of that because at the end of the day, listen, we've all heard this story before. We all know that John was born from Zechariah, and he was told that his name was going to be John. John was going to be a special child. This is a child that Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for for so many years, and now is the time for her to come to give birth, and she bore a son. And this is the amazing thing, verse 58. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced 
with her. By the way, these are the same neighbors and relatives that probably convicted her or condemned her because and called her a sinner and did all of these things, or maybe you know I'm maybe said things about her. Now they're rejoicing with her. Now they're celebrating with her because the Lord in her old age has blessed her with a child named John. Now, if you know the story of John, and we read some of this in the previous weeks of of sermons that we had been doing, but if you know who John is, John the Baptist became this amazing person who proclaimed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who was in the wilderness crying out, saying, Jesus is coming. He's the one who baptized Jesus. This is a special person. This isn't just an average young man who was born to a mother and father. No, John was very special, and he was blessed. Now, I can't hardly think, and I can't hardly read this story without imagining, what if Zechariah and Elizabeth had been blessed with a child after one year of praying? Would they have prayed as hard to receive a blessing like what they got with John? What if John was born at that time? See, I got to believe that the reason why John was such a special person, the reason why John was so amazing in all that he did was because his mother and father spent years of praying for them. And praying for him, I should say. This amazing opportunity for them to build up and ask the Lord to bless them with with a child gave them, the Lord answered their prayers and gave them someone amazing. We don't find that John was this haphazardly young man who didn't listen to his parents or, or became a person who was a uh, priest like Zechariah or followed after his father and did all of these things. No, we find that John was special. He was called. Why? Because the Lord blessed Zechariah and Elizabeth. So today, what this brings me hope for understanding, what this, what I find in my heart is that if we wait, if we pray, there's something that happens. If we seek after the Lord and are waiting, there's something amazing that happens. Isaiah chapter 40, one of my favorite Bible verses. If you have your Bible, please turn to there because I want you to mark this and I want you to listen to this. If you're waiting from the Lord, if you're waiting to hear on anything, if you're asked the Lord for something and he has not answered you, please bookmark this verse. Read this verse. Let it bring you strength. Let it encourage you today. Because what it says is, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Israel, let me pause there before we read the rest of this. Israel at this time is saying, my way is hidden from the Lord. The Lord does not bless us, does not move us forward. Why? Because we're waiting. We're in the midst of waiting for a Savior to come. This is a crying out to God. When is my Savior going to come? When is my Savior going to come and answer and bring us out of this captivity? When is my Savior going to come and lead us into the next place? Isaiah chapter 40 says, Why do you say, O Jacob? And speak of Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. What they are actually saying is, God, you don't care about me. You're not answering me. You don't care about me. But Isaiah goes on to say, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What Isaiah is saying to the people, have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't you know that God is special? He's the everlasting God, the God who is with you, the God who walks beside you, the God who is going to be with you at all times. 
He's the creator of the ends of the earth. How can he not know you? How can he disregard you? He created you. Isaiah is reminding the Israel people, as he should be reminded, as we should be reminded as well, that God created us. He did not disregard us. He is not foreign. He is not absent from our life. He is not somewhere distant. He is here with us. Verse 29 says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. And then he goes on to say, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men Young men shall exhausted, and young men shall fall exhausted, sorry. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What Isaiah is saying to us is that if we don't faint in our young age, if we don't faint in our old age, if we don't faint, if we stay true to God, what happens to us? We can, if we wait upon the Lord, He will renew our strength. See, what happens is that when we press on, when we feel like God is distant, but we still press on, when we continue doing what God has asked us to do, even though He's not answering our prayers, what happens is that He begins to renew our strength. He causes us to mount up on wings like eagles. Amazing verse. Have you ever seen an eagle fly in the, in the, in the sky? It almost seems graceful, like they're not even trying, and they just kind of float. Yeah, soar. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing uh, view, because they're not even trying, but they can cover great distances. What it seems to be not trying, I should say. They are actually trying, but it seems like they're not trying, and they soar these amazing distances. He goes on to say, They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you ever run a race and got, listen, I, uh, this, this past week when we were delivering donuts, we actually went up the road that the last time I ran, I ran a 10K in my life. Yes, I actually did. I have pictures to prove it. So if you think I'm lying, come see me. I'll show you pictures, okay? And I remember running up this hill, and as I'm running up this hill, I'm thinking to myself, Oh, dear Lord, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die right here. This is where I'm going to die, inside some back street in the middle of Ravenna. And as I'm going up the side of the hill, I'm thinking, I'm going to either die or I'm going to faint. You know, I feel like, uh, this is probably the wrong time to bring out a Grinch reference, but I'm going to die as he's going down the hill, right? Uh, I won't bring up the rest of it. I will leave that one alone. But he says something, I'm going to lose my lunch and then I'm going to die, <laughs> what he says. I felt the same way running up this hill. But I'm thinking I'm going to faint. I'm going to die. I'm going to do all of these things. And right then, in the middle of that, some old man comes up to me and goes, Come on, son, you can do it. He goes, what are you running for? I said, I'm running because I had this wonderful idea, like I needed to finish this race. And he goes, you do. You have to finish it. And he goes, are you a Christian? And I looked at him, and I'm like, what? And he goes, are you a Christian? I'm like, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. He goes, good. Then God says that if you run, you will not faint. That's what Isaiah says. So I'm prophesying this over top of what he said to me. And I'm like, Okay, that doesn't help me. I still don't think I'm going to die. <laughs> but we kept going and we made it. I made it. I finished it. Finished this race. And he raced, you know, this older man who probably could have outran me and did, did this 10K twice when I did it one, stayed with me the whole entire time. 
And he made sure I never stopped. He said, if you stop, you'll never finish. So keep running. Keep going. Keep moving forward. The truth of the matter is, is that it's just like what the Lord's saying to us is the same thing that that old man was saying to me. we got to keep going. you got to keep running. Because if you stop, if you take a Sunday off, if you take a prayer time off, if you take any time off of your faith, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to move forward. One Sunday turns to three, turns to five, turns to ten, turns to before you know it, you're not here any longer. And you're asking the Lord what's going on. One missed prayer turns out to be a week full of missed prayers. One missed, listen, if I open up my, my, uh, my app and I keep track of how many times I read the Bible, what I found is that if I miss one day of reading my Bible, guess what happens? It turns out to be like four or five days. And as a pastor, I know you're all now judging me. A pastor missed five days of reading his Bible. I'm talking about from my app. I still read the Bible, just in different ways, right? But I have my Bible reading, my plan that I have here. And when I miss it, when I find every day, if I keep going, even when I don't feel like it, guess what? I keep up with it. And before I know it, I've read a whole entire, I've read the whole entire Bible in less than a year. I didn't set out to do that, but I kept going even when I felt like I didn't want to. See, the problem of this is, is that we grow faint and we grow weary and it's weary, easy for me to say. Instead of moving forward, we stop. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. There's something that happens in the waiting. No one likes that. No one likes to wait. You ever notice you go to a restaurant and they say, how long is the wait? Oh, it's 10 minutes. Oh my goodness, I'm starving. I can't wait 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Really? 10 minutes? You can't wait 10 minutes? The grocery line. I find myself, you know, uh, the other day we, went, we were at some store. Oh, we were at uh, Amish Country yesterday. I went to, I'm, I, you know, we're in this uh, Walnut Creek Cheese. If you've ever been there, it's a really cool place. It's packed and we're walking up to the aisle and I'm going, they were somewhere else and in the store and I decided to go up to the cash register lady. As I went to get in line, this lady with this huge cart cuts right in front of me. And I'm like, I wanted to say something. My my personal self wanted to say something. And I paused, and that's when the Lord struck me and said, you can't wait five minutes. You can't wait. And she turned and she goes, oh, Sonny, were you in line? <laughs> no, I was just standing here for the, for the life of me with a cart full of stuff because I thought it might look good as a Christmas decoration. I didn't say that. That's what I said in my head. I said, yes, ma'am, I was, but it's Thanksgiving. God bless you. Go right ahead and line. She goes, but you don't have that much. I have this whole cart full. I said, that's okay, ma'am. Just go ahead. I'm fine. I can wait. She went in and <laughs> the cash register lady's checking everything out and she gets done ca- checking everything out she hands her this card and this debit card and she puts it in the machine and she doesn't can't remember her passcode. <laughs> then she pulls out her checkbook. She goes, I never mind. I never, never know how to use these things. So she pulls out and she goes, I'll just write the check out. And so she starts to write the check out and she goes, who do I make it out to? Cash Rester lady goes, well, you're in Walnut Creek Cheese. So she's writing, Walnut Nut Creek 
I'm like, Lord, okay, I am preaching tomorrow and waiting. Okay, I get what you're doing now. All right. And I waited. She got done and she, cash, she checked out and she walked out. The, the cash register lady looks at me and she goes, that was probably one of the nicest things I've seen today or even this weekend. I said, what? She goes, you let that lady go in front of you. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, sometimes it's worth just waiting. And that's all I said to her. I said, have a, you know, we talked about Thanksgiving and then we ended and it was fine. We went on the rest of our day. But I sat there and I thought to myself, in the waiting, as I was sitting there waiting for this lady to check out, which would only should have been three minutes, it ended up being probably closer to ten minutes, as I wait, waited for her to write, just check out and do everything that she's doing. And I pray you're not listening. Maybe I do pray that you're listening. God bless you if you're listening. I thought to myself, how inconvenient it was. And then I paused and thought to myself, how stupid am I to sit here and think how inconvenient it was? Here I am blessed. I don't have to worry about where the money's coming from. I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. I was saddened by my attitude, but I stopped and I said, there's a blessing in the waiting. Sometimes we find our dreams and our prayers and our hopes not being answered. But if we can pause and say, instead of waiting, instead of expecting, instead of looking for God to answer our prayers right now, if we can just wait and understand that there's a blessing in the waiting, patience comes. We may not want it to, but it comes. The greatest stories of faith in Scripture all have an element of waiting on the Lord. Do you understand that? Read any story in Scripture and you'll find an element of waiting upon the Lord. They all waited upon the Lord, whether it's David, Moses, Joseph, Jesus, the Israelites waiting. Every one of them have a story of waiting for God. Why is it that we don't think, because we live in a microwave culture, and we think that we can throw it in the microwave and ding, it's going to be done. But there's a blessing that comes into waiting, and that's called growth. When we get to a place where we can wait, and we can know that God is with us, even though we're waiting, for him to answer our prayers. That's where our growth in Christ really begins. When you feel like God has left you alone, we need to tell ourselves that that is not true. And instead, lean a little more into him and ask him, where's my blessing in the waiting, Lord? Because I know you're going to answer this prayer. You always do. I just need to wait for that blessing in the waiting. Will you stand with me, please? Sometimes that waiting period, sometimes that waiting that he's doing is a prompting to us to grow deeper in our faith. Sometimes God doesn't just answer our prayers right away because he wants your faith to grow. To know him more so than just a basic ATM machine. You know, the ATM machine, when you walk up to it, most of us know how much money we have in our bank account. And so we walk up to an ATM machine, we stick our credit card in there, and we get cash that comes out. We know that. God is not that same way. He's not just going to spit money out at you because you stick the, the prayer card into the, into the God machine, right? I wish it was that easy, but it's not. Because why? Because God wants us to grow in faith to him. He wants us to know him greater than ever. And sometimes in the waiting, those are the moments that make us grow so much more when we're waiting for him to answer. So today, may I encourage you to seek the blessings in the waiting, to know that you're not alone, that if God's not answering your prayers, just keep waiting, keep pressing on, 
keep pressing into him and asking him for more. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the story of this birth of John, Father, and what it teaches us in the waiting. And Father, we ask you, each and every one of us in this room is probably waiting on a prayer request, an answer from you. And so, Lord, may we seek you in the waiting. May we not grow weary. May we instead have wings like eagles given to us. May we grow strong. May we not faint, as Isaiah 40 tells us. As we wait upon you, Lord, we will wait to hear the answers from you. We will grow strong in all that you have for us. Help us today, Father, for those that are here in this room and they're waiting. Lord, I ask you that you just speak to them. Let them know that you're hearing them. But give them strength to wait. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you because you deserve that so much. Even in, our, even in the midst of the time when we don't feel like you're answering You still deserve that, Father, because you're still an amazing God who chose to be with us. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Amen. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here. Without you, fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you.
of our waiting that we can receive the strength that we need from you that causes us to keep moving to keep moving forward to keep doing what you have called us to do that we won't grow faint that we won't grow weary that we won't give up that instead we'll keep pressing on seeking you loving you and waiting for you to answer our prayers Lord I pray that today as we leave this place that we can encourage each other, encourage others around us, that the Lord is not silent, that the Lord has not abandoned us, that the Lord has not gone away, but that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the goodness of who you are. Bless us as we leave this place so that we can do your will, guided by you in everything we do and say. We'll give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We hope to see you again next week. Have any prayer requests, please feel free to come forward. I'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you.